Welcome to episode number 50, can you believe it, 5-0 of About the Cards podcast live tonight on YouTube as always with my co-host at Our Trading Cards, Ben Wilson. Uh, we have at Junkwax Twin, Stefan Loeffler. I see this where I'd say hi, but you muted me. I did. How are we doing tonight, fellas? Well, doing great. Ready for uh, episode 52. Yeah, we're getting I- close, huh? I mean, it's it's amazing. It really is. It's crazy. We we started with episode zero, so that kind of counted in to where we are now. So we're a little off, but uh, 50, it's a pretty awesome number. And uh, I'm just excited, man, that we've hung out this long. We figured this would last uh, just a, a few episodes and we would be done with it, right? So... See, this just proves that someone can hang out with Ben for a year and not get blocked. And yeah, that's, and that's, Tim won't just uh, <laughs> outright block Nobody ever said anything about not getting muted. We just said hanging out. That's good enough. <laughs> well, and also ba- hey, baby steps there. Yeah, we we are a podcast by collectors for collectors. Hoping to bring you smart, insightful podcasts and uh, an insightful uh, oh, and being insightful podcast discussing trading card collecting. We're live every Wednesday at eight PM on YouTube. So uh, there we go. To do that. Pacific. Uh, you can always follow us on Twitter at About the Cards. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. And check out the new website, aboutthecards.wordpress.com. Uh, we just posted uh, our review on uh, Top's Big League Baseball. So check that out. So, uh, you know, I'm, we already got into it, guys. I'm excited. We have, uh, I think, a good show this week. We have some interesting topics. Uh, we're a little light on some new releases. So it's going to be a lot of us and not a ton of uh i guess release information but we start off in uh with some sad news this past week uh we've lost hall of fame quarterback bart star uh he passed away uh three days ago uh he was uh the two-time super bowl champ green bay packers quarterback kind of a legend he i think they won five or six nfl titles all together and kind of was the leader of that team good old number 15 and he uh, he also was our head coach at one point in time. So uh, long time rival of my Minnesota Vikings, but uh, you know, rivalry aside, it's it's sad to see a passing of a football legend. Yeah, especially when it was him. He was eighty five. He was one of the most recognizable names, and just a cool name. Was played quarterback at Alabama. You know, do you think some of the guys that have been through there? Or just well, yeah. Oh, Auburn, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then also, too, uh, just the other day, the next day, uh, a couple of days ago, we lost Bill Buckner. He was uh, 69. He was fighting Lou's de- um, body dementia. He had been battling that for some time. He had a 22-year career with five teams, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Red Sox, Angels, and my Royals at the end of his career. Do you guys – what team do you associate Buckner with? When you think Bill Buckner, what's the first team that pops in your mind? Red Sox. The, rook, the, the rookie hits me, so Dodgers, uh, okay. 1970, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's um, correct. Um, I, would, I think Cubs. Red Sox, for sure. I always think Cubs with his big mustache and him winning the, the batting title there. He's a unique guy because I, none of those answers are wrong. I mean, I mean, I default to the Red Sox, obviously, because of the 1986 World Series. But, you know, if you, 
if you said any of those teams, it's not wrong. Yeah, you know. Yep. Uh, he career games with three or more strikeouts. Who had more career games with three or more strikeouts? Bill Buckner or Tony Gwynn? You're you're predisposed to say Tony Gwynn just because of of the fact that he was such a hitting machine and and so methodic. But that that obviously means that it's not Tony Gwynn. Yeah, Steph just pulled it up. Career games with three more strikeouts. Adam Dunn, 173, is an all-time leader. Ichiro had 22. Tatis Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., who's only played this season, has two. Tony Gwynn had one in his entire career, and Bill Buckner, zero. This is an interesting stat from the ace of Spader. It's just that's just tremendous when you when you think about it's unfortunate that his career will boil down to one play in one game. Granted, it was a World Series game, but he, he was injured and shouldn't have been in that game yeah. to begin with. And and that's how people are gonna remember him. It's synonymous at this point. Yeah, he was a one-time All-Star. I think 1981. He won the bat NL batting title in 1980. He had 2715 hits in his major league career, and uh, people just remember one play of one game uh, from that World Series. And uh, even Mookie Wilson, I mean, he came out and you know he's the one that hit the ball to Buckner and said that you know that he was much more than that. And he, I saw tweets from his former teammates saying how what a great teammate player he was, and George Brett. Obviously, I follow George Brett said, if you knew what he had to do every day to go out on his ankles and play, uh, you would really you would respect this guy above any other teammate you've ever had. Uh, he did have some ankle injuries that, uh, you know, kind of limited him. He one time was a, like a steel, a stolen base dude early in his career before he injured those ankles. So but, listen to this stat. So so they were talking about it on the radio yesterday. And in his career, he had four hundred fifty three career strikeouts. That's it. 22 years. Chris Davis of the Orioles has struck out 444 times since 2017. So 2017, 18, and thus far in 2019 is almost identical. Not to mention he had another 427 from 15 and 16 by itself. Yeah. So, I mean, he literally has four times as many in his career, which has spanned 12 years, four times as many. That is absolutely absurd. And again, Buckner was a tremendous player. But if you've been on Twitter the last couple of days, the outpouring of respect and love and, and his kindness and generosity with his time, he, it went far beyond his ability Plus uh, to be able to. Coolest, coolest Tom, he made Tom Selleck's mustache look pube, prepubescent. That's and, and his, nickname was, his nickname was Buck. I mean, it's just like, you know, if he's laying up against a 1986 Camaro. You know, wearing his, you know, hamburger hanging out, gold chains, <laughs> wearing, wearing Red Sox gear because he's a bit ball player with his, you know, his belt bottoms. And what's your name, dude? I'm Buck. What do you do for a living? I play baseball. I hit, I hit, I get singles, baby. Hit yeah. <laughs> dude, I mean, what woman wouldn't want? I mean, he should have had his own, you know, 1984 Hasselhoff show. Yes. Oh, you know? look at a Korean cardboard hanging out with us. What's up, dude? All the way, that's amazing. I'm glad you're able to hang out with us for a few minutes in between classes. So uh, we're going to get into it the week that was last week's releases. Tops Living Week 62. We have uh, card 187, the low cane, Lorenzo Kane of the Brewers sold one shot of 2,800. Card 188, Nick Senzel, rookie outfielder of the Reds, sold 4,700 on the nose. 
And uh, card 189, Hunter third baseman, Royals sold 28.79. So just a little bit more than Locaine. So check out at Tops Living Stat for a full breakdown of where these cards fall, respectively, in the set by team and by position. We also so I got a question. Yeah. Did you just call him Dozier? Isn't it Dozier? 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 I, I, I always thought it was like uh, Brian Dozier. Oh, maybe it is Dozier. I, I, I don't get to watch it. Royals games here because they, they're never on TV. So I, I've heard it both ways. Somebody called him Dozier the other day, and I'm just like, is that like calling Rob Piccolo, Rob Piccolo, or Gene Tennis, Gene Tanache? You know, it's like, come on, dude. Gene Tanache sounds way cooler. All right, Hunter <laughs> so, Dozier, third baseman of Royals. And why is everybody named Hunter now? I, anyway, uh, we also have 2019 Panini Legacy Football Drop, 2019 Tops Pro Debut Baseball, which if you watch the stacks that Chris Torres had of his cards, it made me uh, made my head sweat because um, he was doing some wizardry when he was sorting his cards. And we had also 2018-19 Upper Deck chronolo- Chronology. I almost said it again. Hockey uh, come out last week. So this week's hot off the presses, the new releases, week 62, card 190, Justin Turner, third baseman for those Los Angeles Dodgers, 191, yeah. Carter, K-boom, short, rookie shortstop of the Washington Nationals, and I don't understand this one, card 192, Wade Davis, pitcher, Colorado Rockies, former Royal Great. So uh, K-boom, I think, kind of already, uh, his hype kind of flared out a little bit already, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a, I mean, when he's your lead, of the week, which might make him more more valuable, only because people are kind of, you know, they might look at this week and move on. I mean, yeah. if you overlook it, you know, you might want to grab him just to be be safe if if that's your thing. Yeah, for let alone someone that's not even in the majors at the moment. I don't think. I've been a couple of weeks, from what I understand. I think you got they got sent down on the seventh of of May. Yeah, so. Maybe a late design on that. Um, well, also, guys, I hope you have your pennies and your nickels saved. My cap, oh, real quick, my cap tonight is the Tennessee Smokies. It's a minor league team. I got it because it's for T. Shep, Tim Shubler. Um, I hope you saved your pennies. I did. And your dollars and your $5 and your $1,000 bills because Definitive came out this week. 2019 Tops Definitive. Uh, you're going to see about an $1,100 price tag for a box. Yeah, it's one pack per box, eight cards per pack. So it makes each card, you break it down at, say, 1080 which is a price I saw pretty consistently. Uh, it's $135 a card. So uh, you're going to get six autos and or relics and two mem cards in your box. There's no real true base set. Everything in the product comes with an autograph or multiple or a memorabilia piece. And uh, they look for the on-card signatures along with premium swatches. We were talking about this pre-show. And Ben compared it to National Treasures with a license. Yeah, it's it's very, very generic. It's got a white border, and then it's got like a blue stripe or a green stripe to decipher your parallels. But it, with the cost of this box, especially following up from Tier 1, which was released two or three weeks ago, it, it, it's another hit-based product. I would have just expected more. And we were talking before the show that, you know, for a Chris Davis, which I was looking at, if, if I could grab one for eight to ten bucks, fine. But if it's going to cost me twenty to thirty dollars, there's just no associated value. It just to me, they're they're just very generic and and uh, 
I think Steph said lazy, which is a great. Yeah, they're, they're just really bland. Uh, for what you're paying, you'd expect something more. Yeah, for that cost, you know, if this is two hundred dollars a box, okay. If you're going to be able to grab singles for ten, fifteen, twenty dollars, great. But it's a thousand dollars a box, and you're going to have to get singles in the twenty, thirty dollar range on the low end. If it's just a, a relic numbered out of thirty-five of a, you know, a good to to star player, maybe not a superstar player or a hot rookie. Uh, and, and that's why I use Chris Davis as an example. You know, his his relic out of 35 should probably sell for eight to ten dollars based on the look and design. But you know, I would imagine it's gonna sell for two to three times that because people are looking to try to get their money back. And it's not our job to to pay somebody to cover their internal rate of return so that they can ensure themselves to at least a break even. Well, uh Cardi Cena in the chat asked, is there a much difference between definitive and luminaries? They look exactly the same. I mean, <sighs> not really. No, no, I would say not really. They, they're very similar product. And, and the fact is, I think this this should be like, I, I believe this should come out later in the year. Absolutely. Closer to five star. Yeah. You know. Uh, well, and, and Triple Threads used to be coming out right around March or April. We had talked about that on a past show it's gotten pushed back into like August, you know, tier one museum collection, triple thread should all be released together. Definitive luminaries, Panini flawless, all should be released with five star towards October and November. That's how it was a few years back at least where as the year went on the calendar year, things got more and more expensive. Yeah. Uh, just interesting. Also this week, 2019 Panini leather and lumber baseball drops uh, 225 a box for Packs per box, ten cards per pack. Um, in your box break, four autos, four mem, fifteen inserts, and two parallels. You should see a hundred card base set. There's no checklist, even though the product's out and you can buy it today. Um, it marks the first time that a full set has been released since 2005. They've been used. Uh, this this leather and lumber has been used a couple of times over the past few years as an insert. It's a now it's a hit heavy product with each hobby pack, averaging an autograph. And a mem card. There's a lot, a load of die cuts. So cool die cut cards in here. Just stinks that there's mm -hmm. no checklist because we were talking. If you want to get in some of these, um, you know, and you want to buy a break, you don't even know really who to expect on your team. Or if you're trying to go with secondary market and trying to build, you know, a, a certain insert set because you like the way it looks, uh, good luck because there's no checklist. You know, there'll probably be one tomorrow or Friday. But, you know, the set's already out. People are already busting cases. And that's something, that, again, we spoke about before the show is, as a team collector, do I buy a, you know, into a break, hoping to get everything that, that my heart desires off that checklist? Or do I gobble it up on the secondary market? The issue with that being is I don't know. I don't know what's the best decision for me. You know, if you're looking for certain players in this product, again, we don't know. We don't know the depth depth of the checklist i will say one thing that looking at some of the the inserts that are already listed seeing names like yogi Berra and ken boyer is kind of exciting yeah because they're they're names that aren't very common on on most checklists so it's kind of neat to see some diversity hold on fellas and for what it's worth it looks like there's uh going to be retail nah, not bad oh no, here yeah. we go aha uh -huh. i went to panini's website I couldn't find it there earlier. I looked around five o'clock our it, time, which is about three hours ago. 
Yeah, I, I did. And I looked on a few of the major websites uh, an hour or so ago, and nothing was there. Boom, checklist is up. And, uh, yeah, so it's there now. But well, That's good. Yeah, I, lo I looked a couple hours ago because I had sent out a tweet saying there was no checklist. And then I was like, wait a minute. I've only looked at Beckett Cardboard Connection. I might want to look at Panini's website, you know, just, thinking uh, that. I just dropped the, the checklist in the chat. So Perfect. Yeah, and uh, there you go. And that's that's how I I will be spending the rest of my night. Hey, there you go. At least you have something planned. It, it, did you actually click on it to make sure that it's yeah. up there? Yep. It downloads uh, an Excel file, and uh, I have the Excel file right in front of me here. Looks like Stephen Piscotti's got an autographed gold card out of twenty. Okay. So because it made me do it, you have to hit baseball twenty nineteen Panini, and then leather and lumber naturally. Yeah, it's a. Um, what's brewing next week's release is 2018-19 Upper Deck SP Authentic Hockey, 2018-19 Upper Deck Ultimate Collection Hockey. That's weird. Those are coming out the same week, right? Uh, 2019 Tops Finest Baseball, 2018 Leaf Trinity Baseball. Okay. 2019 Panini Luminance Football. So those will all be out next week. Infield Chatter, guys, our Hobby Talk section. Uh, as we get in tonight, one of our one of our best listeners. Oh, real quick, my students are amused watching you live. Can you say hi to the girls? Hello, Mr. hi girls. How's it going? Hello. Yeah, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, love it. Um, Dub, our buddy Dub Joey, uh, has got an article in next uh, Beckett's uh, June release. So he tweeted out, guys, this is an absolute dream come true. As a 12-year-old, I read articles in Beckett and over and over until the next issue came out. June 12th won't get here fast enough. He's done stuff for the website before, but he's going to have an actual article in the magazine. And like I said, I order, I buy the magazine occasionally and just for the articles. So this is what I'm going to buy, and hopefully he'll be uh, kind enough to, to autograph it and, and send it back my way with, to go with my uh, Brent Williams cover that I've autographed where he... Uh, Shows up, shows up, Shohei Otani. So that's very cool. Congratulations, Dub. That's awesome. Yeah, and there's really no one else who wasn't more deserving before he got his issue. He, he yeah, puts out really night, great night card. Night Owl cards has an article uh, about seventy-five tops. His favorite set, and um, former guest on the show, cardboard icons Ben Aguirre. The best Ben we've ever had on the show, and uh, he, used to, he used to be occasional uh, writer for Beckett, and he had some uh, some articles back in the day with him. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. I love when we see our friends getting published, and that's awesome. Speaking of that, uh, there was an article posted late today by Rich Mueller of Sports Card Collectors Daily. The industry stomach returning to Vegas for 2019. Uh, the sports collector, uh, the sports collecting business to business conference is hosted by Beckett. They purchased a few years ago, had been held there annually in the spring before shifting to Dallas last year. And, uh, before I know it had been the Hawaii conference, I believe in the early nineties, uh, the 19th summit we held September 15th to the 18th at the Westgate Las Vegas resort and hotel, uh, managing and co-hosting the event will be Ray Schulte, president and CEO of Schulte Marketing and PR, and Ted Barker, senior sales exec at Beckett Media. 
The event will offer uh, networking with shops, with hobby shops and other retailers from around the country. There's going to be one-on-one sessions with reps from the manufacturers, access to distributors and industry service providers, business sessions and panel discussions, Beckett and Summit. Uh, and the Summit leadership say they're planning on emphasis on be- featuring best practices and information sharing. Now, my one thing is on this, when they say representative from manufacturers, we all know that Brian Gray has kind of like been persona non grata there, but he's been very outspoken when he's gone to these in the past. Panini, basically it was just a Panini event last year, if I'm not mistaken, and because Tops had their summit already in Arizona when they had their transcendent party, the Trout, and I know that Upper Deck has been doing, you know, started their own party, and they kind of parted ways when and kind of killed the summit last year in, uh, when it was just kind of Panini show. So I don't know if Tops and Upper Deck will be there or Indoor Leaf. It'll be interesting to see. So I just want to go on record as saying bring it back to Dallas. Yeah, it's because it's down the street. <laughs> no one wants to go vacation in Dallas in September, bro. And yet I still didn't go, but that's see? another story. Yeah, so inter- and just interesting. So a little a little inside hobby knowledge there, and then also now, Steph, uh, pull this up. Uh, Cryptozoic steps up. Yes, they did. They really did. Now they're a non-sport provider. They're usually doing entertainment cards, if you want to call it. You know, that's what they are. Um, they sent out a message, and I'm going to pull it up here so you guys can see. It says they uh, sent out to me where a huge Stevens universe. I'm not sure what Steven universe is, but it's it, uh, kind of a cartoon in the vein. Uh, you, you know the animation style, okay? Uh, if you saw it, fans of um, oh, Cryptozoic. So we we're so uh, we as so we're upset as the rest of the SU community learned. And a piece of a sketch card art from our upcoming trading card release was copied from another artist. We find this completely unacceptable and do not allow any cards from our sets to be copied by other works of art. But other artists, this card is, was still in our possession at Cryptozoic, and we have taken this steps to destroy it. Our sketch cards are permit, uh, permitted to be based on screenshots from the show. Otherwise, they should be the artist's own interpretation of the characters. With nearly 100 artists work on the Steven Universe set and producing thousands of amazing sketch cards, and we unfortunately will miss the single card that was based on someone else's work. We apologize and take full responsibility. We have re-reviewed the artist's work, and there is no other cards that are copied of uh, fan art. We are fans first. We are a fans first company, so we appreciate hearing from fans and remain committed to producing an amazing trading card product based on the series. We have involved the team behind the show as much as possible, and we have embraced our own obsession with the series to make something Steven Universe fans will love and be proud to own. Sincerely, Cryptozoic Team. Amazing. Now, guys, I mean, that's huge, right? Absolutely. They they owned a mistake that was made. It's a Cartoon Network show. It looks cool. A little fat. It looks like a little fat kid. Like it looks like a buddy of mine. Maybe I have to check this out. Um, but do you guys think that that Tops or Panini would or could ever do this? So I mean, th- there's a lot of work for a similar type set where that you'd have to do 
to be able to be 100% foolproof. You'd have to be able to check DeviantArt. You'd have to be able to check the darker lurkings of the interweb to make sure that some of these images didn't get previously posted. So they've got a momentous task as compared to, you know, just being able to go on Getty Images and saying, hey, was this something that they took? Can we use it? Okay. Um, So I absolutely applaud that they stood up and said, hey, this was brought to our attention. Here's the proof. We've been given proof. Uh, where we've destroyed the card, we've checked everything else, verified that it's not fan art, and you know maybe in the future they don't go with that person anymore. Uh, but um, I don't see it as an issue so much in the sport room just because... Well, what about autographs? I mean, that, that's kind of what I was leading towards is... Well, in the autographs, you see what uh, Panini did with uh, the Dak Prescott whatnots, and uh, Topps tried to kind of do with the Chris Bryant situation, where they released it in a different product, despite having it, using it for Lord knows what. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a interesting proposal. And, a, and an interesting headache for them to have to deal with. No, and, I, uh, nice I think it was just something good that they did. They stepped up and and uh, did yeah. something. something. Yeah, you would hope that. You, 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 Tops has a museum collection. They 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 commission different artwork for that and a few other releases. So you would hope that Tops or Panini would do the same thing uh, as Cryptozoic. But well, then what about um, that product they released? I think last year you two years back where the autos were all streaky and they'd recalled them tops yeah that i forget which product that was um but yeah i mean it's it's definitely possible i think they re-released a whole set of that uh later in the year it was like a duplicate set that had right. better autographs in it but th this is you know you know copyright this border you know you now you're starting to get into plagiarism things like that now you have a legality of it so for cryptozoic to call themselves out and say hey you know shame shame on on this person that that we're doing business with it's not going to happen again and we don't stand behind that got to commend them for coming out and saying that and you'd hope that the rest of the industry would as well if faced with something similar exactly uh, yeah, no, it's just, you know, I, I love them actually doing something about it. So tops total, uh, we, we kind of got wave one out and about, and it's everywhere now. And, uh, at tops total, uh, a friend of the show tweeted out this week, some information. Um, I saw a report of less than 5k print run for wave two of tops total. I was very surprising considering the discovery of autographs in wave one and an email showing Vlad jr and judge autos for wave two. However, Top's website shows the print run to be 7531, which is up 1500 or so from wave two or from wave one to wave two. There's about $1,500, 1500 jump in packs. Um, currently, wave one base cards are going for about three bucks a pop. There are six confirmed auto subjects in wave one per, per Ryan Cracknell, Trout, Acuna, Tatis Jr. Uh, Pablo Lopez, Victor Robles, and Clint Frazier. Some are not like the others. And uh, it's weird because Trout, Acuna, and Tatis are one, two, and three, and then the others are like middle of the checklist. So, um, 
what do you guys think so far is seeing tops pro i know we, we saw some chipping or some uh flaking of coverage uh the coating of the cards last week but uh what do you guys think now that it's been out a little bit more of it's been opened up and, and shared across the uh, interwebs? I like the design. I hate the distribution method still. Yeah, I, I haven't heard. I haven't held any in person. I, I watched you open that up, Tim, and I, I've seen obviously some on the secondary market. You know, they they look better than expected. The backs still leave a lot to be desired with with the back design versus what they used to be, um, but. Overall, it's okay, but I'm sorry if you're buying these at three dollars a piece, which, you know, full disclosure, I am. So, at the sake of sounding like a hypocrite, it's ridiculous. I mean, this is not a ninety to hundred dollar team set, which is ultimately what I've chosen to pay. But at the end of the day, this really should have been something. As we discussed, this should have come in at you know twenty bucks at most for a thirty to thirty five card team set, which ultimately that's what this set is designed to be. And, and you know, I've seen Wave 1 complete sets selling for $125, which pushes you well over $1,000 for the complete 900-card run. The good news is people that bought packs, are you're going to get a lot of parallels, at least from Wave 1, and it looks like possibly Wave 2, because they've got to pack out the 1,600 uh, guaranteed parallels, which are the, the reds out of 10, the blacks out of 5, and the 101 golds. Those have to be in there. Tim, yourself, how many did you end up pulling? Uh, 10 packs, I had three parallels, one one-of-one one, Byron Buxton of the Twins, a five-of-five five, Clayton Kershaw, and um, Devin two Travis out of red out of 10. It was like two out of 10 or something? Yeah, something like that. So, but that, that oh, goes I to loved, the right. Way, yeah. I loved opening it. It was sweet to open. Should have filmed it. Uh, oh, I did. It's uh, it's on the YouTube. It's on TBS Sports Cards on YouTube. Check out TBS Sports Cards for your, all your Wave 1 needs. No, I mean to be honest, I'm gonna let you guys know. Like, I, like so, I sell cards, and I, I did a separate handle and everything for it. And uh, I, I have base cards at 199, and um, you know, a little more expensive on some of the the higher end guys. Uh, but I'm also have, you know, I think it's uh, buy three get three free, something like that going on with that. Buy one get four free right now uh, on certain things, and that one is buy. Let's see. Anyway, so check it out. Um, if you if you guys are looking for those, hit me up on Twitter, or even Big Shep, and we can work something out. So I'm not here to like, you know, take advantage of the market or anything. I bought them and they were fun to open. I didn't pull an autograph, and but I had fun opening them and I wanted to see what they are. I bought Wave Two and Three now. Um, so yeah, we can work some up. Um, it kind of it kind of leads into. We talk about these kind of cards, and, and you know they don't have like any stats on them. It's more of uh, information on the back of the cards about about the player and the set. So we were talking like with players like Shohei, who are hitters who get hitting and pitching stats. What stats should be on the back of their base cards? Well, and that, that's something that popped into my head the other day. It's like, you know, you, you see all of the cards for the players who played like 22 years, like the back of Nolan Ryan's 93, 94 cards, where he's got, you know, lines and lines and lines of stats. Um, not that Otani's been in the league for a long time, and he could probably split them and have, you know, hitting stats, bat, uh, pitching stats, 
stats. Stats is the word, not stats. Yeah, like real quick, uh, here's that 81 Tug McGraw. And yeah. look at all those seasons back there. So, yeah. you know, you'd like to think that these players would like their stats shown on the back of their card. Well, in cases uh, like him, and we're starting to see it a little bit more now, off, more often now, of players that do both, which do you show? I think it's a really you're right otani you probably still could show uh, at least last year's batting and pitching totals but isn't it d- dependent upon what the card is i mean if you're showing him as a pitcher you show his pitcher stats if you're showing him as a designated hitter but his then card shows- is like pitcher slash dh but but what is the image that you're showing is yeah, he that's true. I mean, but then it leads to variations now too you very well could have it why why wouldn't you capitalize that on that if if you're, you know, tops or panini, quit and have this. image variations with with different stats. Yeah, I mean, it, it really. It, why couldn't you switch too? I mean, you always theoretically could have him twice in the same checklist. And well, they also have now the cybermetric, you know, parallel version cards and advanced. I think they call them advanced stats. Uh, you know, so but why are why are are those stats aren't the base set stats and then the home runs? Variation, you know, so I don't know. It was really, I thought it was an interesting topic. I, I think for guys like a show, hey, where it is a limited uh, sample size, you could do both. Uh, you could do variations. It, it, no, it's just an interesting question, and I think it's something to ponder and see what what they go through if Shohei can play more than five years. Christian Ponder or Christian Ponder? What he said it's something to ponder. Oh, Christian Ponder. The he, he's oh, making uh, a Vikings joke. Yeah, it's all about Samantha. He's not even the best ponder. Sam Ponder is like way better than he is. This is true. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys follow these. I know you follow one of them. Uh, you follow all these guys. So there were some fellas that went to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And they shared all their, their travels together, but they really shoot off the shoebox treasures. So um, our buddy Mark Hoyle, at Mark Hoyle 4, at Mark Armor 04, at Saber SA. A BR and at uh, Andrew Ehrenstein, uh, they visited the Baseball Hall of Fame and they showed off that uh, Showbox Treasures exhibit. And they had a ton of great photos. So these are the fellows here uh, that went out and did it. Um, did you guys check out some of the stuff that they had in the Hall of Fame? There was a Tim Carroll piece of art. He had the Sandy Koufax um, piece of artwork that he made. He remade the, what was it, the 50... Five, Kofax, and uh, out of other cards, these the guys, yeah, fifty-five, yeah, fifty-five, and they, I mean, they had tons and tons. There was a thing where it was like a pullout, like a metal pullout that had like a ton mm-hmm. of a ton of different cards. It was like it looked like a big giant binder page of cards, and there were like ten or twelve of these. Um, you know, they had. There's a Tim Carroll piece right there. Uh, Steph has a pulled up, you know, made out of other cards. I mean, just tons of fan artwork in there, tons of old cards, cameras that were used to take the photos. It was so it made me like really was like, God, that I mean, such an addition to the Hall of Fame. I mean, the Hall of Fame was already cool anyway, but all the information about the cards and that are there. And then too, like they showed some shops and t- some card shops in town. Um, so it was it was pretty uh, a pretty neat. 
neat visit. So if you haven't, check out those guys on Twitter. Um, we will share uh, their information so you guys can you know, hopefully follow them. And Well, and, and the one that uh, was worth mentioning, um, given that we were talking about off-brand sets, um, Mark Hoyle, we've mentioned in the past, uh, pretty prolific Red Sox collector. Uh, Mark Amore, uh equally, I think he collects the Red Sox, but uh, he, he's a huge baseball historian. historian. And then um, Aaron Aronstein is the son of the person who put together TCMA. Oh, okay. So, That's awesome. Not nice little card uh, hobby history there. No, that's really, that, that's really cool. Yeah, what did, did you guys see that DM uh, that Mark Hoyle had sent us? Cause we had had that conversation a few weeks back. If you had a choice to go to the national or Cooperstown, assuming that you've, I, I think we might have prefaced it, assuming you haven't been to either. And I think Tim, you were on the side of I'm going to the national. I being on the side of I'm going to Cooperstown. Um, Mark had, had said if, Given the choice now, he would definitely choose Cooperstown hands down now that he's been there and seen the history. And the National is great, of course. Not that I've been, but, you know, it's just a supersized card show uh, with, with everybody there. But Cooperstown, it's different. And now that there's a card, you know, exhibit, you know, it, it brings in that part of us as well. Not just the baseball fan, but the card collecting side. No, definitely. And, and doing that was, was just talking about collecting cards. Uh, someone posed to us uh, this week about collecting vintage. And if you had a kid now, how would you get them in, involved in collecting vintage cards? Or even if they were so like, you know, so say, how, how would you get them in? Like when, when we're talking vintage, we're talking what pre 80s, right? Not pre 1979 yeah. so, is your cutoff. Yeah. In, in, my, in my opinion. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, I think that works with with me as well i feel like we're, we're to that point um but how would you get uh, a youngster involved in collecting cards from you know 40 years or older well if they're my kids i know damn well that they'll probably end up liking uh history and historical facts and seeing the sights and sounds and everything else um and the best way to add and supplement that um, one, it teaches uh, car cards you can use for, you know, basic math and arithmetic and e even uh, some advanced uh, mathing, if you will. Uh, I can't think of my words here, but um, you know, the card backs as well. If you're going to do historical stuff and vintage type stuff, you're going to want to make a connection to that you know, show them cards with huge blocks of text that, you know, on this date, he had this, this, that, and this. On this date, hey, here's this. Hey, this person was born on your birthday. You might want to collect him. Yeah, sorry, not collecting Mike Schmidt, regardless of the fact that he was born in my hometown. Uh, uh, birthday and Angela's hometown, my wife. Um uh, you know, or buy out some of the Hall of Fame sets that have been re released recently with details about their uh, career and what years they went in the Hall of Fame and, you know, things like that. 
you know, make a connection for them. Yeah. And, and okay. So I like, yeah, I mean, that that's definitely, I mean, I love the history of the game and, and I think one big part of that, like if you showed them Ken Burns, the baseball documentary. Exactly. When I was then, kid, oh, hey, when that here, was, they're talking about Ty Cobb. Here's a Ty Cobb. I watched that thing, like, you know, I mean, before you could, you know, streaming and all this stuff. I mean, you had to sit down and my, my grandpa record it for me on VHS and mail it out to me so I could watch it. And I learned about Jackie Robinson and God's honest truth. I owned a Brooklyn Dodger hat. Giants fan and all, I had a Brooklyn Dodger hat because of Jackie Robinson and watching that documentary. Uh, it was awesome. And that's, you know, that's how I think you get started. And, you know, you just kind of let them fill it out, ask questions and, and be involved. And, and, you know, like how awesome Ted Williams was that he was in a plane crash and he was in, he was in two wars and in Korea, he crashed his plane because he didn't want to eject and hurt his knees. So he crashed a plane that had been shot up and was on fire and walked away. Like that's insane. That's crazy. But if you're a new collector, say you're an old guy like like Ben and I, and you're uh, you're new to collecting, and you're coming in during a the new era near in you know this hit era, where would you start a vintage PC? Yeah, yeah, I think the the Ken Burns documentary is a great way to get get people who aren't familiar with history excited about names of yesteryear because right now we're collecting players that we know because we can turn the television on and watch regardless of sport, right? everybody wants Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant and, and LeBron James, because those are the big names, James Harden, right? Giannis. Uh, but what about those, th those players of the 1980s? Because those players were there, right? Magic and Jordan and, and Bird and so on and so forth. And to, to watch a documentary is a great way. Uh, but if you want to get into vintage, start small, you know, obviously uh, grabbing some of the, the rookie cards of the seventies, whether it be, uh, Schmidt, Brett, Yount, Dawson, um, so many of those great guys. Or if you wanted to go, uh, you know, our friend Ben Aguirre had mentioned Willie Mays. He's got some from the 70s that are, are extremely affordable. You don't jump in trying to grab a 52. It's not going to happen. Most of us will die without owning that. So why not grab some of those early 70s, late 60s mantles? Uh, you, you know, you don't even have to jump off that cliff yet. You can just go grab some of the more affordable players, uh, some of their, you know, third, fourth, fifth year cards, you know, go grab the Frank Robinsons. Yeah. Uh, you know, or, guys that are eight, 10 bucks a piece. Um, you know, I, I've got a 52 Duke Schneider. It, he's probably the most well-known name of that era that I personally might ever own from that particular set. Um, so why not grab them and grab them in low grade? Because even if you don't ever want to upgrade, at least it's something that, that fits your particular budget. And you know, grab a PSA grading. That's right. Grab grab some lots. Go grab. I, I mean, I, I did that with 1968. You know, just grab 20, 30 of them at a time to have some, and then you'll kind of find your way with what set you know speaks to you that's affordable in everybody's respective budget. When I when I started doing all my top sets, I pretty much had everything from 79 through current, and I was like, I'm never going to be able to do 78, 77, you know, back. And uh, at a card show uh, a few years ago, I w went through and one of the dealers had, you know, team bags full of 1971 tops for $3 a bag. 
and it's just a stack of them. And then he goes, there's no dupes. He goes, you know, they're ah, they're in eh, condition. And so I bought them all and started building the 71 set. And then all of a sudden my LCS got in a couple monster boxes, a bunch of mid 70s stuff that he was selling that wasn't in great, they weren't in great condition. And I started diving into that and how much fun I've been having running down vintage singles of guys I've one I've never heard of, or two, I'm like, oh, he's a coach now. Like I that's how I know him. Right. Or and then you're just sitting there looking and reading the back of the cards like I did when I was a kid. It was crazy and how much fun I've had to put those sets together. And you know, it's been I guess I could have done a more financially responsible way and gone out and just bought a complete set. But I can tell you how much more fun I've had going through and piecing it, sitting down at a shop and digging or you know or a show and digging through a box of high numbers and trying to find those few that i can get afford and uh just a ton of fun and that's kind of how i got into it yeah hit me up with some of those 66 and 67 high numbers yeah no i i mean uh and i was gonna hit on one of ben ben's points there where he's added that, uh, you, you know, go back and view some of the vintage sets and find what you like. And uh, not necessarily the PSA 10s or the B- Beckett grading service 10s. You know, go for the league leaders. Yeah. Dude, the cards still... are so big. Third, you can get a home run card from like 64 and it's got three Hall of Famers on it. It's like $10. Exactly. And you're like, I got, so I had, you know, like there's, I think there's one where I have, it's Mays, Aaron, and Frank Robinson? No, Mays, Aaron. I don't remember. There's like, but there's just, dude, there's like Hall of Famers galore on these cards. And yeah. the majority of them are. Yeah. And no one can, and no one seems to care about them. They want the, the, the base rookie and it's like, okay, everything else can, eh, unless it says Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays on by themselves. And I know I love it. And, um, you know, ground Chuck here is that I completed my 64 tops giants oversized set this year. It's a perfect way to collect vintage in an affordable manner. I just started my 70 top set now too. Yeah. I got a, I got a 300 cal box here. 70 tops. I bought from a, from a show a few months ago. I haven't gone through yet. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's so much fun. A card that came up the other day that I think you don't get today. You know, you're talking about a lot of those top 10 cards on each checklist from year to year, which have all the league leaders, which have one, two, three Hall of Famers or well-known players. Uh, and you can get those extremely affordable. Uh, but a card that popped up in a Facebook group the other day I thought was fantastic was in 1971, tops number 664. The, the three players' names, Archie Reynolds, Bob Reynolds, Ken Reynolds. And somebody's mm-hmm. like, that's the Reynolds rap card. And it's like, you know, here here you have rookie stars, pitchers from the Angels, Expos, and Phillies, all with the last name Reynolds. It's probably not a super, you know, you probably get it for about eight bucks because it's a high number. But it's a fun card to have. And if you're just getting back into the hobby, looking to collect some vintage, having stuff like that, having a lot of those batting leaders, stolen base leaders, the 1972 in action, the when they were boys uh, uh, cards from 72 and 73. Those are awesome, you know, and that's a good way to start. It's a good way to pick up a a Mickey Mantle card for, for super cheap. You know, I grabbed one from the mid sixties. I forget which year I think it might've been uh, 66 or 63. I I, I don't recall, but 
um, you know, his home run leaders and Mantle was, was on there along with an Oakland A or Kansas City A, I should say, excuse me. And uh, so I had to pay like $11 for it. But for me, it's part of my Kansas City slash Oakland collection. But it's also a Mickey Mantle card, which is kind of neat. You know, and and it's affordable for any budget to pick up a $10 card in low grade raw. And it gets you excited. Okay, I've got a Mickey Mantle card with three other players on it. What kind of Mickey Mantle card could I get by himself in my price range and explore your budget and what fits in there, whether it be a 68 top, 69 tops, or, you know, one of the, you know, all-star cards, something along those lines. Yeah. And so it's just one of those things, I think getting knowledge on it and just kind of seeing and try not to be crazy about it. I mean, yeah, 50, don't try to run down a 52 mantle or, um, or see, that's a good looking card, Bob Johnson. You want a cheap uh, Yankees card? Here's one. Now, unfortunately, it's a high number for 70, and those are a little bit tougher than most. Uh, but three quote unquote nobodies, but this was the last card that I needed for this set. And, you know, I value it more than most of the others that I have in that set. Just because you get attached to looking for Bill Zapp and Clint Kowski and Bob Johnson in any form. And then when you finally pick it up, it's a nice touch and a yeah. nice addition. Because you, you learn more about the guys the more you search for them. Yep. And uh, it's a nice uh, throwback to the hobby. Yeah, when I was looking for my 62 Dan Fister rookie card, nobody knew who Dan Fister was, but it was a multiplayer rookie card, high numbers with Jim Bouton. And so a couple shows ago, Tim and I are walking around, and that's what I was after. I was after that one card. And those are fun because he wrote Ball 4. Yep. And so even though it's, again, part of my A's collection – it's kind of neat to also have a Jim Bouton rookie card because of his connection to the sport of baseball. And, you know, vintage baseball is much more collectible than, you know, vintage basketball or football is, at least, you know, on a industry, you know, hobby level. But, uh, you know, there, there's plenty of, of great vintage football sets. And, you know, you can go back and get Walter Payton or Bo Jack, uh, uh, OJ Simpson's rookie, stuff like that. Um you know, so vintage isn't just baseball, but obviously that would be the, the the great equalizer, you know, across the board, I would imagine. The funny thing, you you mentioned OJ's rookie. So a few years ago when I, I collected football quite a bit, I really enjoyed it, um, and now I don't. And uh, so I, I really don't actively collect it. But I was I wanted the first tops, the first pick of every draft from the common era, so from 60, 69 on – or 68 on, anyway, you know, to through 15. And uh, the last two I needed, uh, Terry Bradshaw and O.J. Simpson. And Bradshaw, but I found a Simpson the other day, the OCS, like 10 bucks, and it was in decent shape. And, uh, no, it's just, it's been a fun chase going back and, like, learning about, uh, you know, some of these older players, uh, you know, and where they, what, what happened to their careers and guys you never heard of. So, uh, in the chat, Foul's Ball, uh, or Foul Five Ball, said, I recently completed a 59 Tops baseball master set with all the errors and variations. Woo! That's big time. Dude. 
That absolutely is. Now, how long? And, how if you can't? How long did that take? And, and what condition? I, I asked him in the chat the average condition of each card because you know there's still some quite expensive cards in '59. You know, I mean, just the stuff like the mantle and the maze, even though they would be what seven seven years, eight years in by that point, uh, those cards aren't cheap. You know, when we're talking what 50, 60, 70 bucks maybe in you know a, a low to mid range raw, but yeah. when you're you're picking up 10, 15, 20 of those at that price, you know, Musial K line, there's probably quite a guy, a few guys in that that checklist that even if they were all ten dollars a pop, you know, you're still looking at a couple hundred dollars. Oh, that's still awesome. I love that. Yeah, like yeah. I don't ever go beyond 70, you know, I'll I'll collect my 69 Royals and then older giants team sets you know from 52 uh you know it's of course to 69 69 but you know i probably won't have a lot of the maze cards i don't personally own any individual maze cards myself but uh my my little fat 14 month old has a a 60 a 61 it's still a 60 a 61 and a 64 so so you're saying you want me to take you out of willie maze yeah if you have a willie maze send it my way my way well and i, I sent uh him the uh, checklist super meticulous um by richard dingman um i posted in chat so anyone else can see it as well but i mean he has it down to well on 30 percent of the cards there's a red little blob on this corner this top left corner section of the card uh and where it is for each set from like the 40s through about 75 or so if i'm not mistaken what a state um, asylum does he does he live in <laughs> the one that i want to go visit because i'd like to rack his brain on some of these good lord this guy made steph just look almost horrible uh, uh jake from norcal what's up jake uh for each of you what is your favorite card that would be considered worthless in terms of monetary value, but by most collectors, I can answer Ben's for him. 1986, Eric Davis. I actually <laughs> uh, am, am friends with Eric Davis on Facebook, and I, I it's his birthday. Hit Happy him up the other day. Yeah, it is. And, and Charlie Hayes, uh, I'm friends with him on Facebook. It's his birthday as well. Um, but eleven years. Eric, breaking news: eleven years to build that 59 set. That's a lot shorter than I expected to hear. Yeah, I, I mean that—that's—that's that's gotta be, you know. I want to see pictures. Probably. Yeah, de definitely tweet us out pictures if you're on Twitter. That we'd love to see that and share that. Um, we would love to hear that. I, I hit up Eric Davis and I told him, you know, a little bit of the backstory about why that card is so so valuable to me, and the fact I've got one hanging on my wall in my garage. And you know, I was like, dude. You know, if there's any way you have a P.O. box or something, I could send you one to, to have you sign. I think that would be, even though I'm not a big in-person through the mail, that might be one that that I would, would love to have signed. And I told him, but as an A's fan, I'm not a big fan of, you know, 1990, but congratulations. Wow. And he just threw me a thumbs up in the DM and did not give me an address. So I might have to hit him up again and go, come on. Well, there's probably got to be, there's got to be one of those, some of those TTM guys out there that, uh, Probably might have his address. They might have the address or yeah. a way to get it. You know, they also offer. I mean, I know I see a lot with like private signings. These guys do where you can send them in and they they'll sit down and sign them all, or you can send it to them and make a charity donation. 
you know, say here's 10 bucks to donate to your charity of your choice, which could be, you know, whatever. Um, that's My awesome. Choice. Yeah, um, what's your stuff? To, to answer, since Ben answered his, <laughs> and I'm sure you're uh, trying to rack up and figure out which one you want to save most, uh, Tim, there. Um, 81 Fleer Nordhagen. Yeah, you love Wayne. I do. Uh, one, because it got me into the hobby. Two, from the hometown. Three, I have, in all likelihood, have the bat that's pictured on the card. And uh, four, it's, it's not super expensive uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, you know, if anything's going to get me to collect a Chicago White Sox card, it's that. Yep. So I have two, and I'm really torn. But they're different sports. Can I have two? Um, the first one is a 1970, what is it, 77 tops Don Calhoun running back for the, the New England Patriots. And he is the first kid my grandpa coached that made it to the NFL. That's awesome. And uh, he coached two. The other was Barry Sanders. Actually, coached three. Byron Sanders, Barry's older brother, but – he kind of flamed out with the Bears. But um, it was Don Calhoun. Got to know him. He used to be – what happened to him, he played with Sam Bam Cunningham, Randall's older brother. And he had a pretty couple pretty good years. And his agent stole all of his money. He was able to buy his mom a house. But then his agent stole all of his money and lost it. And uh, he ended up becoming a garbage man and worked my neighborhood when I was a kid. So I actually got to meet him. And talk with him because he was just a few years older than my mom and dad, and uh, got to know him. And I would go out and say, and dude was would run behind the truck and throw the the, the barrel, you know, the empty the cans in, set them down, and then run behind him. Dude was in phenomenal shape, and he ended up working it with my aunt at a high school as a custodian, and got to see him later in life. And uh, super friendly guy doesn't ever doesn't say a lot, doesn't talk about much about his playing career. The other is a '93 tops Kurt Knudsen relief pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. He used to hang out at my LCS when I was a kid in, in Folsom uh, called Coach's Corner. The guy that owned it, Mel Fogelman, Cowboy. He was an awesome man. Um, but Kurt used to hang out, play the University of Miami, uh, played a few years, told good stories about Sparky Anderson, and uh, is a police officer now for uh, Folsom PD. So he drives around town you know, yelling at people. So those are two cards that are commons, and I find them all the time. That uh, that I always pick up just because of personal relationships with the people on them. So on the first one, are you sure he's not the garbage picking, field goal kicking Philadelphia Eagle? No. And if you don't get that reference, I'm sorry, you had a miserable childhood. Um, no, no, no. Uh, and while I have a third two named Dave Staten, any of his uh, ninety was it ninety two tops? I think he's on. He's on a few. But he actually worked for me at Best Buy for a few years. So he played with he played with Tony Gwynn. So that's awesome. Ben had a great question for us all, and I think it ties in here with collecting vintage. What is the oldest set you reasonably could piece together? So when you mean piece together, you're talking about buying small lots or singles here and there, and or a starter set. I know um, our buddy uh, Cards from the Attic has a ton of '70s cards. He's he's looking to move, and they're mostly starter sets. So, I would say probably to preface it. First off, it works out great that Foul Ball in the chat room brought up the '59 set because it's a great segue. 
took him 11 years. We don't know what it cost him, but in time, at least the, the TLC of things, um, I, I would say if you're going to acquire a starter set, probably what, no more than 25%, you know, let, yeah. let's go out right now and buy one and no more than 25% to get us started. What would be the oldest one reasonably that could be pieced together? Um, I would say most of the seventies probably could be, you oh, know, yeah. for sure. I mean, I'm doing it and I'm not, I'm not trying to break the bank over here doing it. And it's, it's very doable. Uh, I've got a good portion of the 68 top set, which of course has the Nolan Ryan, got a Johnny bench, got a couple other big boys, uh, Seavers, uh, rookie cup card. Um, but once you get past that, you know, it's got the late maze, the late mantle, uh, quite a few stars that are, are in the twilight of their career. I, I think 68 could be pieced together. If you could get those top three to five cards for under 400 bucks, you know, if you can get your Ryan for about 200 and get a bench for around 45, 50 bucks, I think you could probably piece together 68 for, I think if you're a thousand dollars into it, you would have a good portion of the set. Yeah. At least 70 plus percent. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, that would be, that'd be a good one. I, I just, you know, I think going back really any farther than that would be pretty difficult to keep it under a thousand bucks to build the set. At least for a major name base set, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's something too. Some of those high numbers are going to be what kill. It might not be the the stars. It could be the no name high numbers that, that beat the hell out of you. Could be. Could be. I mean, finding them in a good. Not only affordable, but in a good enough condition. Shape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just like I was piecing together my 71 Opeachy uh, team set. And our, again, our friend Mark Hoyle hits me up and he goes, dude, those high numbers, that last eight of those on the checklist, they're going to get you, man. He goes, first off, you've got to find them. And then you've got to find them in good condition. And, you know, so so a lot of times, and we've talked about this before, it's not an issue of cost necessarily. It's go find one, you know. I mean, I mean, it can when, when you're down to like four or five cards. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So focused and hunting down those cards. Like when I was finishing my '79 set, it was finding the 1979 Montreal Expos in in, in the Los Angeles Dodgers team cards that didn't have. I needed a decent to better condition with no check marks on the back. And for whatever reason, those two, I always found them with just check marks or uh, dog-eared corner or they were round. Yeah, I could never find one that it was in the shape that matched the rest of my 79 set and that didn't have, you know, ink on the back. But when I found them and finally got them, it was like, and I slid them in into the pages, it was like, See, it, it, here's, you know, after talking to, to Mark, I looked up the last eight I need. I need nine cards to complete my 1971 OPG set. Uh, One being Reggie Jackson, uh, which is his third year card. But (laughs) I thought, I thought I'm not going to go out and blow a bunch of money on that when I still need Bobby Brooks and Jim Rowland and and other guys, Don Mincher. I mean, who are these guys, right? Yeah. But I looked up Dick Williams, which is the last card in the A's team set, which is a high number. And somebody had one for like 35 bucks. And I'm just like, and Mark is right. I, I mean, these cards, these last eight that I need, and really the only names on it is going to be Vita Blue, 
and Paul Lindblad outside of the ninth card, which is Reggie. Uh, but I mean, I might Maybe be looking at upwards of baseball cards to draw you a 71 OP to Reggie. <laughs> the, the Reggie wasn't actually that expensive compared because it's low numbered. It's like number 20, it's number 20 in the, the set. Um, and it's his third year card. You could probably get a low grade one for, for under 40 bucks without a problem. Um, but it's those no names at the back half. And it's like, uh, Reggie will probably be one of the last ones I buy for that set. But that's the thing. It's 400 bucks. Is my, it might be what it cost me to get the last nine that I need for that team set. Uh, but a good way to maybe buy some of those is to use eBay bucks quarterly to buy down the cost of one of those big high-priced. If, if you guys aren't enrolled you know, that and you're buying on eBay, I missed out probably for two, two three years of, of – solid buying on ebay before i realized like i was a dumb dumb and i wasn't earning my ebay bucks it is the easiest thing to do to sign up for it automatically calculates it and then every quarter you get a chunk of change to go and it does not last in anyone's account for longer than 24 hours because you have that card you're watching and you go hey i just got 12 dollars and 82 cents in ebay bucks it pays for a third of that card i can justify buying that card now boom bought sold delivered and you're like i gotta rock Right. Last last quarter, dude. I waited. I, they dropped on April third. I waited till like the seventh or eighth because I wasn't sure if I wanted to buy. Oh, I was like, it. do I? Yeah, I was. I had like thirty five bucks. I'm like, do I? Do I buy down the price Damn, of the McGuire? Boy. It's a lot. I was like, I got a McGuire order. I'm watching for like like ninety bucks. I'm like, I could buy it down. I could buy one high priced card for thirty to forty dollars and get it free, or buy a couple of team sets, which is ultimately what I did. And they were parallel sets that were like fifteen bucks a piece, and that knocked off seventy cards off of my my overall want list. And uh, that's the only reason. But you're right. The second those things drop, and my dad's been asking me about that. When are we getting our next ones? I've got like all these this money, and and I'm like, dude, every quarter. You get them on the third day of the new quarter. Stop asking. Yeah. But yeah, usually it blows. And you know, like at the end of at the end of June, you're going to start loading up your watch list with stuff that you don't need, don't want. It's almost like it's like eBay bucks are like going to Costco where you're like, I'm just going to go there for my jumbo sized ketchup and I need some laundry detergent. And then you walk past something and you look at it like Jim Carrey. Uh, when when he in Dumb and Dumber when he realizes we landed on the moon that amazement that's what Costco buying is you like oh my gosh no way that's great this is this is what I do I have my four or five things from Costco I run through the store get them and I try to bully through the store to get the hell out of there under yeah. bucks you have to put your head down in shame as you walk through Costco for whatever you're after that's the only way and you've got to avoid that middle section altogether. Because that's what hooks you, and the next thing you know, you're buying a barbecue and a patio set, and you live in an apartment. Yeah, you know, well, it's amazing. Yep. No, Jake has a good question here. What do you when you guys finish the set? Do you guys feel more elation, relief, or sadness? I said all the above. I feel all of them. T Tanner Jones has a great a great meme. We'll have to you know graphic where. The highs and lows of, of finding the card, buying it, waiting for it, getting it. It, it. it really is like a drug high. You know, you have that high end and that low and completing a set, I would imagine, would be like winning the World Series. And then next week going, man, let's do it again. 
to find that next puzzle to complete. Well, I mean, not everyone can be Jack Morris. Yeah. Going from one World Series to another, to another, to a contender in a strike-shortened year. It's like uh, what Steve Kerr said after he won three championships with the Bulls and then won one right the next year with uh, San Antonio when he ran from 96 through 99. And he goes, lucky me, I just keep following the best player in the league around and win championships that way. Yep. You know? Yeah, he was talking about Vinny Del Negro, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Kings legend, Vinny Del Negro. Uh, so yeah, no, it's a uh, guys. It's been a quick show tonight. We're at ninety. We're at I'm sorry, sixty-seven minutes. So I mean, I think Rich got to listen to the whole show tonight. So I was gonna say, yeah, Rich is gonna have to live with it. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's he's probably he's probably brushing his teeth and and getting his matlock on. You know, strangely, oh. he listens to uh, you, you know the investigative murder whatnot documentaries. So he's probably got those on. Uh, just because you, 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 you know, the announcer has a really droning voice. My wife, do you remember that old watch like wives with knives and stuff right before right. we go to bed? Do, do you remember that old John Clayton commercial for ESPN where he's like got like the long hair and he's listening to rock music and he's oh, in his bed? Spot. Yeah, and he's like yelling at his mom to like have his lunch, his snack ready or something. Yeah, and it's completely out of character. That's what I, I see. Rich, you know, pumping. Popping out to Metallica, you know, nine fifteen at night. It's like lifting crazy weights, right? Yeah. I, I'm gonna get Ben tomorrow. Yeah, get a picture <laughs> on the on the wall, like darts in it and stuff, and yeah, I, I it has to be music from the fifties, not Metallica, unfortunately. It's speak- oh, good. I was just gonna say, speaking of Rich, we're gonna have him on soon. We don't know a time or date yet, but but real soon we're gonna have him on for some awesome rookie card talk. Probably a what second. is a rookie card? The the change that was made after 06, uh, and and you know what's an XRC and true rookie card. So it should be a really fun conversation of uh, who's right and who's right, which will be me. Well, my thing is, is I wanted to be followed by Waxtopia, right? Like that was one of my, you know, big thing, and that happened. And now my next check on the bucket list is actually sitting down and interviewing uh, Mr. Rich. So. So what you're saying is, much like you being followed by Waxtopia, I need to hook that up. Yes. You do. So, and and we, need some awesome, like, we need some awesome WWE entrance music in this corner. You know? Da, 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 you know in the brown some, shorts. In the no shorts. You know? Yeah. Play Careless Whisper as Rich comes in. No, uh, yeah, I know it's exciting, and um, you know, as we so we want to before we close out tonight, um, we we hit show fifty two in next uh, in two weeks from today. We will uh, we're gonna do a little celebration, so we're working on some uh, some giveaway stuff uh, to hand out. So that will be, let's see, that will be the twelfth. That'll be six twelve. We'll uh, have our fifty second episode. So we're going to do some giveaway stuff. We're still figuring out how to do that. We're probably going to do it uh, live as well as post-show. But uh, we'll have a handful of prizes, and we'll send those out. And it'll be a good time, and we're going to reminisce over the last year. I listened to the first episode today, episode zero. And, uh, you know, not not bad. But I, I was already salty uh, early on talking about Alcuna and uh, Torres' short prints in Series 2. And then like a few days later, pulled them from packs. So, 
<laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was great. So, yeah, it's uh, it's fun to go back and hear. We've added theme music. We've gone through ups and downs. Uh, had happy and sad times, I think, on this show. Um, and uh, yeah, next week's the first week of the month, so that means we're gonna have our product or our our, our brand. Oh What's Sorry up? To interrupt. Huh. Uh, I've been sorting a box of cards in the entire time, and I just found. So you, you know, when you're in elementary school, towards the end of the year, the teacher kind of gets a few things together for each individual kid and gives them a gift wrapped. Hey, here's a thing of Lisa Frank stickers. Here's a bunch of this. Here's a bunch of that. Did you just drop Lisa Frank stickers? Well, I mean, you know, second, third grade. Anyway. Uh, my teacher gave me a three pack of 88 tops. And I just found the three pack back to back to back. Jeff Reardon, Joe Necro, and Tom Kelly. There we go. 88, that's 88 Reardon? 88 Reardon? Uh, 88, 88, and 89 Tom Kelly. Okay, because 88 Jeff Reardon is my number two behind 86 Eric Davis. I'll, I'll because I, I've told this story, but absolutely trashed. <laughs> I've told my I've told this story before. My my three year old brother, because of Reardon's big beard, thought he looked like my dad. So that was his daddy card, dude. You couldn't trade my brother for nothing. He didn't like baseball. He doesn't like cards. But that was his his picture of daddy, his daddy card. And I tried everything just to see if I could get it from him. Not that I needed it or wanted it, but he would hold that thing like this. And that card was crumpled and nasty and garbled, but that was that was his card. Yeah. So next week we're going to talk about score. So. Yeah, that would yeah. be interesting. Look at that mean old look, too. Good lord! Don't don't with me. I'm Jeff Reardon. I think he was saves leader at yeah. the time, or recently <laughs> dethroned. Yeah, he he was a stud by uh, 88, 89. I mean, he, but yeah. That, that was that was a fun card in our household for a long time, and and so I thought about super PCing that card, or at least getting like a nine card page of it, just because. Yeah, should, and then share it with the rest of us. So uh, we'll talk about the score next week, real quick. Steph, one last question before we end tonight: Ron Gardenhire or TK? Who are you picking? Guardy or TK? Huh. Uh... Guardy for his fiery personality. Well, you only have one. Have getting there. I'm putting down the qualifiers. Just chill. Uh, Guardy for his intensity and uh, personality and uh, tenacity for the game. TK for his knowledge, at least early going. Uh, but I mean, you got to go with the person who's brought the championship to Minnesota since the Lakers in the 50s. The last championship in Minnesota since 91. Whew, you were just a youngster. And like a month after I was born. About the time I was being released. For the, for the record, that was Steph choosing not one but two guys. He's taking after me. Every time you ask me choose one, I've got to qualify and have like 17 guys. Before I narrow it down, so listen to uh, the first podcast with Mel and Todd, and they asked Mel a question to name one guy. He ends up naming like seventeen guys. I love Mel Kiper. I'd have pumpkin pie with him any day. Um, so uh, final final thoughts. I think I think we're there. 
remember, we're live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific on YouTube, 10 Central. Make sure to subscribe and review our show on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at About the Cards. Follow Ben at our trading cards. Follow Steph at Junk Wax Twins. You can always follow me at Big Ship 79 TBS Sports Cards on eBay. Please share your hobby stories, great polls, and send your, your questions our way. Keep collecting. We love it. We love the interaction. And um, it helps us uh, build the show. I mean, a lot of this stuff comes from from the listeners and stuff they, they post or retweet and we snag and talk about and we're like, oh, this would be a great thing for the show. So please continue to do so and share experiences. We love it. From the listeners. Your dad wants to know if he still looks like Jeff Rudin. Yeah, what's Jeff Rudin look like today? I don't know. My dad still has the beard, so there's that. It's just a lot more salt and pepper now. All right, guys. Well, if that's it, we will have we'll see you next week on episode 51. Until then, keep collecting. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>